0: Well, I'm not Pastor Tony. I'm Vic Alvarado. I'm one of the pastors here. And, uh, I love saying Pastor Tony. Every time I say that, I want to say it with kind of, a, with kind of an accent, you know. Pastor Tony. I can't say that with Vic, you know, Pastor Vic. Um, Pastor Tony's up on, on the backside of uh, the ski lifts of uh, Mammoth with about 23 other men. Uh, from our church, and, uh, they're catching fish. Uh, about this time, they're probably wrapping things up and ready to head back home, but they've been up there since Friday, and, uh, I haven't heard, uh, about how they're doing, but I'm sure they're having a blast. They couldn't, I mean, I was talking to all the guys, some of the guys that were going, and it was just like, a, it's just a, it's just a gift just to get away, and, uh, men will be men, and just, uh, just, uh, and when I, when I was invited to go, uh, Pastor Tony, he told me, he said, no, you got to stick around. Um, so I said, okay. And then, uh, he came to me and he says, you know, I, I'd like for you to preach while I'm gone. And, uh, and so, you know, Pastor Paul is gone. Uh, we need to pray for them. He had to do a memorial service for his brother, uh, in Idaho. Um, Pastor Wes is gone. He's at a conference this, this, uh, past week, uh, Pastor Jeff is here but he's got to preach tonight. Uh and so he looked at me and says, "Man, I you're the bottom of the barrel, dude." <laughs> I got I got to I got to dig deep and I got to uh, extract some 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 gold somewhere and and you're it. So uh, I'm it and uh it may it may be the last time you hear me preach. Uh uh and and that would be okay, and that would be okay. Uh, so, But he'll be back next week, And uh, but he's uh, just know that he's thinking about you, and he's praying for you. He's praying for us, that the Spirit of God would capture us, get a hold of us. And so that's what we're praying for. And so I'm glad you're here, and I'm, and I'm glad that you're with us. And if you're a guest, we're so glad you're here as well. And I pray that you've already sensed the presence of God. And uh, really the goal here at Mission Church... Is uh, for every person that comes on this campus, from the very moment they get onto the driveway to the moment they sit down in this seat, that somehow, some way, the Spirit of God would capture them in such a manner that they just, its like, wow, somebody hooked, somebody hooked me today. I felt this, I felt the power of God, and I and I pray that you will sense that this morning. We've been um, we've been on a series that uh, that we've titled called. To call to glorify, and uh, we've been Pastor Tony's been preaching some messages on how do we experience that. And uh, he he wrote a devotional that we are in a month of prayer and fasting for you. And as you go, as you leave this morning, on the back tables on the back wall, right before you head out the door, there's some free uh, a free devotional for you. Would you please pick one up and take it? And we're we're spending time just making space for God this month. Because I believe that God wants to do something extraordinary in your life and in the life of this church, and he wants to do something extraordinary through you in this community. And uh, so Pastor Tony spent a lot of time uh, writing some thoughts from his heart. Um, And uh, would you pick one up, please? And uh, before you go, they're free. And uh, if you... If there's extras, which I'm sure there are, you can feel free to take another one, maybe hand it to a neighbor that you've been sharing Christ with, um, and uh, allow them to enjoy what we get to enjoy. And so please pick one up this morning. Like I said, we've been in a series that we've called called to glorify, and, and as we begin this morning, will you please read uh, with me together the proclamation and the promise that, uh, that we've been uh, declaring together during this series? Um, it's up on the screen. Will you read aloud with me this morning? I'm about to study the incorruptible, inerrant word of God. I open my heart to God's message. I humble my mind to his wisdom and I rest my hopes on his grace. I will accept this rebuke with repentance. I will rejoice in its truth by faith and trust in its promises that can never fail. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can change what it says I can change. As I trust in His grace and Spirit, I covenant with God that I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to change and hide in His Word in my heart to honor Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. Last week, Pastor Tony uh, addressed the importance of knowing Jesus and this morning we pick up right where he left off last week by being reminded of our of our greatest and most glorious calling in life. Yesterday I, uh, I got my hair cut and uh, the gal who cuts my hair has been cutting my hair for almost 30 years. I know I don't look that old, but I'm an old guy. She's been cutting my hair for almost 30 years. And... Uh, she does such an incredible job that uh, i've i 've addicted my son to her hair cutting skills, and so we both went down yesterday morning to get our hair cut it 's one of our favorite things to do and uh, and uh, as she was cutting my hair, I asked her this question: "What is your calling in life i said tina what uh what is your calling? She thought for a moment and uh, she, her response just kind of uh, took me by surprise because I, I thought that she would say, well, you know, I've been called to, to make people look good. You know, I cut their hair. But she didn't say that. She, wand- she went on to tell me something that just really kind of put me back in, my, in the chair and I thought, wow, I didn't really expect that coming from you. If someone were to ask you this morning, what is your calling in life? What would you say? How would you respond? Would you talk about your career? Would you talk about your character? would Would you respond by defining your capabilities? If somebody asked you today, what is your calling? What would you say? My prayer this morning is that before we leave here, we'll, we'll know without a doubt what our glorious calling is. That we'll know with absolute certainty what we've been called to, to be and to be all about. Whether we are young or whether you, we are old, that before we leave today, that the Spirit of God will commune with us in such a manner that we'll walk away with absolute assurance what we were called to this life to do. So, as I begin this morning, I want to just invite you to uh, encourage you to ask yourself the following questions Do I desire to know God in a more intimate way so that He may use my life to positively impact those around me? Do I desire the, the supernatural life of His Spirit to be released through me so that those closest to me may be blessed by the Lord? Do I desire to be able to to worship God and to love Him and and others with greater freedom? Do I desire, and am I am I conscious of the need for God to do something extraordinary in my life, in the life of my family, and in my church and in the world? Even as we read these questions, I I, I know without a doubt that there's not one single person in this room that answered no to any of these questions. Whether you've been walking with God for the last few minutes, or whether you've been walking with God for decades, I know for certainty that every person in this room answered yes to every one of those questions. Why? Because I believe that when God created us, when God created you, when God created me, He placed in each one of us the desire to fulfill every one of those questions, to respond positively to that. I believe the answer to the complexities of our life is is rather simple. And the psalmist gives us a portrait of of this simple, although not easy, answer in Psalm 24. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 24. This is how the psalmist writes these words. He said these words. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For He founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully, He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord. Strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Will you pray with me? Father, this morning... Perhaps the words that we just read are very familiar to us. Maybe they're brand new. But Father, we believe, Lord, that you have something very specific to say to each one of us today. So, Lord, I I pray, Father, that our hearts would be ripe. That the soil of our soul would be fertile to receive Whatever you have prepared to plant in it today. Lord God, I pray that you would remove any barriers from us. Comprehending your word. And understanding your plan for our lives. Today. Father, this is not just a a routine Sunday. Father, this is a day where I believe you want to do something very personal and extraordinary in each one of our lives. And so, Lord God, help us to approach you that way today, knowing that your plan is perfect, and your timing is always right, and we are exactly where we belong at this moment, so that we can hear from you loud and clear. Thank you, God. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name and everyone said, Amen. In 1949, a small band of church leaders prayed to God for his will to be done in their lives and in the lives of the people in their community. Much like we've been asking the Lord during this month of prayer and fasting here at Mission Church of the Nazarene. And they were gathered in a small town of the Isle of Lewis. The Isle of Lewis is a large isle uh, out of the outer Hebrides, just off the coast of Scotland. And these believers were particularly burdened for the young people in the island who had absolutely no interest in spiritual matters. In fact, they had an extreme disdain for the things of God. These students, they want anything to do with God. They didn't want to do, have anything to do with faith. All they wanted to do is live their life and live it freely the way they thought would be best. And so these church leaders, these pastors of the Isle of Lewis, had this this real burden for the students on the island. So for 18 months, these leaders met, and for three nights a week, they prayed through the night into the early mornings, early hours of the morning, and they cried out to God and they cried to Him to come, Lord Jesus. Come and change the lives of our of our community. Come and change the hearts of our youth. And for eighteen months they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And guess what happened? Any guesses? Nothing. Zippo. Nada. Goose eggs. <laughs> for eighteen. Long months, they met every single week for three nights out of the week and they prayed and nothing happened. There was no evidence of any change to the spiritual climate in their lives, in the lives of their families, in their churches, in their youth, in their community. Nothing happened. Have there been times in your life when it seemed that you have prayed to God to come through in a big way and even made special effort to ask him and to cry out to him, but it seemed like he wasn't listening. Have you ever found yourself in that place? Maybe, maybe you're there now. You've been asking God to do something in your life. Maybe you've been asking God to do something in your family's life and in your marriage. Maybe you've been asking God to do something in your neighborhood and and it seems like it seems like God is not listening. Maybe you go to school every morning and before you get on campus you you stop and say, "God do something in this school," and maybe you quit praying because you don't see any evidence of that. Have you been there? That's exactly what these religious leaders on the Isle of Lewis experienced. Then one night during one of those uh, these prayer meetings, a young pastor rose to his feet, and he opened his Bible, and he began the, to read the section of the passage that we just read this morning, out of Psalm 24, verses 3 through 5. He, he wrote, read these words, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands... And a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive a blessing from the Lord, the righteousness from the God of his salvation. Then facing these leaders around him, this young pastor said in his, in his Scottish brogue, I tried to practice what this guy must have sounded like in Scottish brogue, you know. But uh, it kind of sounded funny coming from a Mexican, so I'm not going to try it. But this is what he said. This is what he said. Brothers, it seems to me to be so much humbug. I didn't know what humbug meant, so I looked it up. In fact, I looked it up this morning. Humbug means deceptive or false talk or behavior. He says, brothers, it seems to me to be so much humbug to be waiting and praying as we are. If we ourselves are not rightly related to God. In other words, he said, we could pray until our knees bleed. We could we could we could pray until our faces turn blue. We could pray until our voices grow hoarse from talking to God about what is happening in our lives and in our communities. But if we continue in our deceptive false talk and behavior knowing that our hands are not clean and our hearts are not pure as the Lord desires, then we will be limited in our complexities. And everything that we're praying for will never come to fruition if our hands are not clean, if our hearts are not pure. It's interesting to note that the expression in Psalm 24, verse 4, the expression lift up his soul to what is false means, to nurse an appetite. I know some of you are already hungry. It's almost noon and uh, you're getting ready to eat. That expression means to nurse an appetite. The word translates soul in that verse in Psalm 24, 4 refers to the throat. It refers to the throat and its appetites or desires. But a desire for what? The word false in that same verse gives us the the answer. It's a desire for, for what is empty and for what is vain, vanity. In other words, if our priorities, no matter the context of our lives, are driven by the physical appetites, they will always leave us empty even if our soul, our throat, is filled with good intentions. One of the conversations that I had with my hair cutter, I don't like to say hairdresser because I'm a guy, but one of the conversations I had with Tina yesterday afternoon as we were getting our hair cut, I, I, uh, I asked her, uh, I said, have you heard about um, Anthony Bourdain? Did you hear about him? She goes, no, I didn't. I said, Anthony Bourdain, a couple days ago, committed suicide in France in his hotel room as he was filming for his show in France. Producers went looking for him and they found him in his hotel room and he was dead. He committed suicide. And then I said to her, You know, Anthony had all the F's right. (laughs) He had fame, he had fortune, he had family, he had friends. He had fun. And he had food. (laughs) He had all the F's. And then I asked Tina, I said, Tina, you know what he didn't have? And without skipping a beat, she says, he didn't have faith. I said, that's it. The missing F in his life was a, a faith walk with Jesus Christ. And it reminded me of what Jesus said to us. You, you can have everything. You can pursue everything. You can have everything that your soul desires in this world. But if you don't have faith in me, you are lost. You have nothing. Back in the Isle of Lewis, as they knelt in the straw, these leaders realized That the roadblock to God answering their prayers, they, they realized what the answer, what the roadblock was. And so they humbly confessed that their hands were not clean and that their hearts were not pure. And that they had lifted up their soul, their throat to what was, to what is false. And that they had perhaps been living, living a life of deceit. And in short, they confessed their sin to the Lord right there in the straw as they prayed one night. And guess what happened? Any guesses? Hmm. Within a short period of time, God in His generous grace and extravagant mercy began to pour out upon their lives His Spirit in extraordinary ways, so much so that it literally shook the Isle of Lewis. Sometime this weekend, I would encourage you to Google, don't do it right now, I would encourage you to Google Revival on the Isle of Lewis you can read about all that revival that took place because of these men. A revival broke out. Could it be that uh, what God desires to do in every aspect of your life and mine is exactly that? Do you believe this? Do you want God to do something extraordinary in your life? You see, God desires for us to experience his glorious calling every single day that he gives us life to live. And that's that's why we were created to do. That's why we were created to be all about. You were made for that. You were made to experience the glory of God every single waking moment, regardless of your age. In history, the most dramatic and widespread God-transforming movements have always begun with a handful of humble-hearted believers whose God-inspired lives and honest, sincere prayers have become the spark that ignited and changed the lives around them. It began with just a small group of people who said, Lord, do what you need to do in me. Do what you need to do in us. As we humbly kneel before you, as we humbly Extend our hands before you and give our hearts to you. What's noteworthy in each of these extraordinary movements of God, the most godly men and women on the scene have generally been the first to humble themselves. It begins, it begins when we say what we've been singing this morning. Lord, I need you. Students, when you go to class in the fall, perhaps one of the things that you could do before you get on campus is say, Jesus, I need you today. I need you today because I know who needs you and you want to use me to help them find the answer. Some of us, we... Go to work every day, and we go into the same routine, the same door, to see the same people. And maybe starting tomorrow, we need to go back to work and we need to say, God, I need you. I need you today. I humbly bow before you. There are people around me that I work with that are lost, and they know they need something. They're like Anthony Bourdain. They think that they're pursuing all the right things, but they need what I got. And I have you, God. They need you. God needs you. In 2 Chronicles, we read a remarkable event in the life of Israel. After Solomon completed and dedicated the majestic temple to the honor of the Lord, this is how God responded. This is amazing. You know this verse by heart. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. As we in humble obedience carry out our glorious calling, the end result of submission will always usher in the blessing of God. Always? Always. When we submit ourselves to God, when we humble ourselves to God, how God, how does God respond? He comes always and He says, I'm going to bless you in ways that you have never imagined before. But I need you, I need you to humble yourself. And let me do the work. Will you let me do the work? The only work you need to do is submit and humble yourself. He always comes through. Maybe you're here today and you've been waiting for someone in your life to humble themselves, or perhaps to be humbled or humiliated, so there can be a great move of God in your life in some dramatic way, the truth is, God may be waiting for you to humble yourself before Him. You see, your brokenness before Him may be the very thing that He uses to infuse a blessed healing in that one area of your life, in your personal life, in your family life, in your church life, in the community life. He may be just waiting for you to finally get to the point where you say, Lord God, here are my hands. Here's my heart. In all honesty, the thing that that keeps God from doing what he wants to do most in our lives and what we desire most for Him to do is not found in another's willingness to humble themselves, but in ours. You see, only as we submit to Him and confess our sin and, and, our, and, and our desperate need for His mercy and for His Lordship will we experience what we've always were created to experience, our glorious calling. You see, the answer is really that simple. But carrying it out is what's difficult, isn't it? Why? Why is it difficult for us? Why is it difficult for us to humble ourselves? Huh. We can come up with a lot of answers. But that's the hard part. You mean God wants me to completely submit to Him? You mean to tell me that God wants me to completely humble myself before Him? Before He can do the extraordinary? That's, that's, that's hard because we, we like our independence. We like to do things our way. We like to determine our own destiny. And so that goes against the grain of who we are. And God says, uh, No, it, it, just, it takes that simple act, but I know it's difficult for you to do. It's amazing to me that, um, that as we do that, that God will, honor, God will honor our obedience. You see, uh, did I skip a lot here? Maybe I did. I'm kind of lost in, at this moment. You see, carrying out our, our, our God, our, our obedience, in that way, God will be honored, and God will always honor our, our obedience. So, so what does our glorious calling in life look like? What does that mean? It's the, it's the questions that we ask this morning. It really is. It's the question that we've been asking, and uh, it's knowing God in a more intimate way so that He may use your life to positively impact those around you. It's the, it's the supernatural life of His Spirit being released through you so that, that those closest to you may be blessed by the Lord. It's being able to, to worship God and to love Him and others with, with greater freedom. It's always being conscious of, of the need for God to do something extraordinary in your life, in the life of your family, in, in our church, and in our world. You see, that's, that's our glorious calling. The answer is really that simple. The difficulty is in our willingness to submissively humble ourselves before Him, and to allow the Lord to flow in our lives and to, to do what He's called us to do. In fact, Andrew Murray said it well. Just, he said, just as water ever seeks to fill the lowest place, so the moment God finds you abased and empty, His glory and power flows through. You know, when things flood around here, one of the first places that floods is Mission Valley. Because Mission Valley used, used to be a big river that would flow to the ocean. And then we built things around it. But when it rains hard, what happens to Mission Valley? It floods. Why is that? Because water finds the lowest point in which to travel, in which to fill up. The, the same is true in the spiritual realm. What God is looking for in our lives is the place where we have made room for Him to fill up. But if we filled but if we have filled our lives with things, if we have filled our throat with everything more, more than Him, it leaves very little room for, uh, for Him to do anything extraordinary in our lives. Our staff, when we were thinking about this month of prayer and fasting, one of the things that was suggested is, what does this look like? What does this really mean? And, and basically we all agreed. He said, you know what? What this month really means is us making space for God to fill up. The only way that can happen is when we humble ourselves before him. Jesus agreed in Matthew 6.33, he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You see, Jesus, in order for us to be filled with Him, if you read the first part of Matthew chapter six, it talks about what are we going to eat, what are we going to wear? Where are we going to sleep? What are we going to do? And Jesus says, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory if you do one thing. Seek me first and my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be given to you. But in order for you to seek me, what you need to do is you need to humble yourself before me and allow me to do the work that I desperately, that I desire to do most in your life and that you are desperate for. I don't know what your complexities are in your life that you may be facing today. You see, but God does. And all He desires is for you and for me to empty ourselves of all that concern us by humbling ourselves and asking Him to clean our hands and to purify our hearts so that He may heal us as He deems best. That's our glorious calling. That's how we we are called to glorify Him, if that's what you desire in your life. As as Tina was completing, uh, when I asked her the question, what is your calling in life? Her answer surprised me. You know, I expected her to say, uh, my calling is to make people look good. My calling is to perfect my profession. My calling is to make my business thrive. My calling, but she didn't say that. You know what she said? <laughs> exactly what you heard today. In a roundabout way, in her crude way, in her uneducated spiritually spiritual way, she says, "I'm here on this planet to make much about God and for allow him, for him to, to use me in the way that he deems best, so that when I come in contact with others, they will know they will know that they have been blessed by someone who knows him. Is that your calling in life? You see, God wants to do something extraordinary in you and through you. But we got to do one thing. And the one thing is the most important thing. And to come before him and say, and just ask him, are my hands clean? You know the answer. You don't have to ask ask him. God I have my hands clean. Ask him, Lord, is my heart pure? Is my throat the appetite of my life filled with things that are blocking access? To your Holy Spirit's power in my life so that whenever I pray, it hits a wall. It stops. It is dead stop because my throat, my soul is filled with everything else that Anthony Bourdain, Anthony Bourdain was filled with and he still couldn't find satisfaction. Are your hands clean? Is your heart pure? You see, until we get that right, we will never experience the glory that we've been called to. We will never experience the glorious calling in this life. Today and every day after that. Do you agree? The most important thing we could do this morning as we wrap up is exactly that, is pray. We've been we've called you to prayer this month. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and we're just going to wrap up this morning. And I'm going to ask you to do this. If God is speaking to your heart, this is a really safe place to come and to meet Him. One of the things I love about the Church of the Nazarene was... Uh, This piece of furniture here is just not furniture to help the place look good. It's a place where people have a divine appointment with God. It's a safe place. It's a place where we can kneel before Him and allow Him to pour what He needs to pour into you. And if, if, if you need to confess This is a great spot. No one's going to judge you. No one's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey, man, what are you confessing about? It's a safe place to come and just say, God, I, I heard you today. I have filled my throat with stuff that is killing me. That is making my spiritual heart and my spiritual hands dormant and God I'm coming today and I just want to confess that I need you Father God we're so grateful Lord that you are still transforming lives that you still desire to use us in extraordinary ways that you still have a plan for us to to help us thrive Lord, we thank you for your word that is so true and that is so relevant for each and every one of us. Lord God, I pray, Father, that as we leave this place, that you will help us to recognize your presence even as we go. Lord, you uh, you want to do something very specific in each one of our lives this week. There's someone that you are setting up for us to be able to share what we have heard this morning with. So Lord, I pray that you would uh, that you would help us recognize that this week. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for allowing us this place where, where we can come and really be honest with you. Knowing that you will accept us, knowing that you invite us. Thank you, Lord thank you for, uh, for all that you do for us and what you mean to us. If you still desire to come and just spend some time with the Lord, I encourage you to do that before you go. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May you experience His grace and His mercy and His love this week. And may you be recipients towards others in the same way. Thank you for being here this morning. God bless you as you go.